two brothers. One podcast. It's Smackmouth Fantasy Football. This is the Smackmouth Fantasy Football Podcast. Ah, Commissioner, reigning dynasty champion, commissioner, uh, GM of the fantasy of goodness, the warmest regards. And I'm here with you tonight, uh, recapping week three and week four. Let me bring in nobody because Connor is not here either. Uh, I played Connor in three separate leagues this week and I beat him so bad. He refused to show up. So tonight you get me and only me, um, might be torturous to the ears, but hey, at least you get a podcast. You can leave a five-star review on your podcast platform and tell me how bad you disliked the solo podcast. Tonight, we have a full Dynasty recap of week three, a week four preview, and then we'll get into D1, D2, Pirate League, and wrap up with a dad joke, but let's Hop into the week three weekly review. And we will start in the Science Never Sleeps division, where we did have an undefeated matchup. The 0 2 Dirty South Spartans took on the, excuse me, the 2 0 Dirty South Spartans took on the 2 0 Dilly Dillies, and Dilly Dilly comes out. As the only remaining undefeated team in the league at 3 0, with a 171 to 154 victory. The MVP for the Dillies uh, was the second highest scoring player, uh, not Diggs, not Kelsey, not CMC, not Leonard Fournette, Cor Darrell Patterson, RB4 on the week with 141 rush yards, only one catch, which is kind of his bread and butter. In 12 yards. Uh, How does that make me feel? Connor asks in the show sheet. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel stupid. Would I do the trade again? Probably not. Um, I do still believe in Rashad Penny's uh, talent and potential as the season goes on. Hopefully the Seattle offense can block a little better for him it seems like they're very hesitant to use Kenneth Walker, not the third, Ken Walker. Um, but yeah, Corderell Patterson's looking good. But we, you may recall that last year, this guy looked pretty good the first, what, six weeks of the season and then kind of just uh, disappeared for his fantasy managers and his team. So we'll see if Corderell Patterson can keep it up. He's had two good weeks out of the first three. The least valuable player for Dilly Dilly is, in fact, the one and only DJ Moore, who did only have 2.4 points on just one catch, six targets, only two yards. Um, He did add another 13 yards on the ground, but what a just disgusting performance from a guy that had high hopes and seems to have high hopes every year, just can't seem to produce. Um, I will ask again, but to someone not on the show, 
how does this make you feel, Dylan? I can imagine it won't make you feel good considering you traded um, Debo Samuel and Tyler Batty for DJ Moore and Keyshawn Vaughn and a fourth round pick. Uh, trade's not looking too great right now. Um, Debo is the RB1 in San Francisco. DJ Moore is the same old DJ Moore. For the Dirty South Spartans, the MVP, the MVP is the one and only human Dorch. I can't even tell you what his first name is, but Dorch, the wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, ended up with nine catches on 10 targets for 80 yards and came out to be the wide receiver 18 on the week of just a fantastic, fantastic free agent pickup for Katie, who got him for $0 on September 11th. Excuse me. Mute button, too hard to find. Uh, picked up Dorch on September 11th for $0. Fab, fantastic. First three weeks, he has caught 20 of his 23 targets for 198 yards and a score. Another sneeze coming. <laughs> ah, just to be real honest with the audience, uh, I kind of threw my back out sneezing last week, so he sneezes don't feel great my back is in shambles i am an old man one week before my 33rd birthday uh, honorable mention for the mvp of the dirty south spartans is geno smith who was qb7 another great waiver ad shockingly for katie back in may he was 32 of 20 32 of 44 for two touchdowns one interception and a close loss to the falcons Least valuable player for the Spartans is um, uh, a guy you may have never heard of. Well, probably the only reason you've heard of him is because he's kind of the one that leaked the fact that uh, Zach Wilson was sleeping with his mom's uh, MILF friends. His name is Dax Milne. He plays for the Washington Commanders, and I believe Katie was going for the high upside return yard play by sticking him in the lineup. He did have 17.7 points in week two due to 161 total return yards. You may remember that our Dynasty League has uh, one point for every 10 return yards. Um, he did not come anywhere near to his week two production as he did not get the opportunity to return nearly as many kicks as he had the week before. And quite honestly... He ended up with 5.1 points in week three. Uh, that is one catch for 12 yards and only 29 receiving uh, 29 return yards on it on one kick return. The previous week, week two, he had six kick returns and three punt returns. So a little bit different. Uh, that's, I mean, we have the punt and kick return yards in the dynasty league. It does make it interesting, but part of the risk of playing those guys is it's very volatile and you can never count on a guy getting volume basically in the return game. So tough, tough for her on that, but she did have to play the upside considering she was going up against the Dillies An honorable mention for the least valuable player is Aaron Jones after a huge week in week 
two where he had 33 points. Jones only had 5.7 points against a stingy Bucks defense. He was the RB 54 on the week. Hopping up into the Nompton division, we'll go to the uh, Battle of the House of Wallace, where Katrina and Soldier Fields took down Jamar Rule and Jake. 178 to 171 very close soldier fields moves to two and one as does jamar rule knocking out the only remaining undefeated team in the nompton division this matchup was only separated by four points uh going into the monday night football game where katrina was leading by four points katrina had zeke and tony pollard while jake had saquon barkley going and she got just enough production out of Zeke and Pollard to um, outlast Barkley and Jamar Rule. Ended up winning by about six points. The MVP for the Soldier Fields is Lamar Jackson. Could not be anybody else. The guy is a beast. He's playing like he wants to get paid. He had 48.4 points, 218 passing yards, four touchdowns through the air, 107 rushing yards, one touchdown on the ground. He was QB1, or he is QB1 on the season by almost 20 points over Josh Allen, at least in our league, in the Dynasty League. The least valuable player for the fields is Jawan Johnson. Um, uh, Take this a little bit personally because I was counting on him in some other leagues, but he had been trending in the right direction in week one and two. In week two, he had seven targets, four receptions, and he was getting some end zone targets in both of the first two weeks of the season. Uh, but in week three, he came out and absolutely goosed, had zero targets in a week that Jameis threw the ball 41 times for the Saints. Gross. I can't imagine Dewan, Jawan Johnson will find his way back into Katrina's lineup anytime soon. For the Jamar Rules MVP, he did have several good choices, but I couldn't avoid taking... Devontae Smith, uh, after a goose in week one and a decent game in week two where he did put up 15 points, he exploded on the commanders for in week three for 35.1 points. He had eight catches, 169 yards, and one touchdown. He looked really good. He finished as the wide receiver one on the week and is up to now wide receiver 18 on the season, which is impressive considering he had that zero in week one. The least valuable player, it had to be Matt Daddy Stafford. He has been underwhelming, to say the least, to start the season. He only had 10.2 points in week three, no touchdowns, making him now the QB 22 on the season. Definitely not the production that the rules were searching for out of Matt Daddy Stafford, who last season finished as the QB 5. Uh, definitely was a big part of this team's uh, playoff regular season and playoff run last week. Uh, not to mention he did have Tua who exploded last week for over 50 points, came down back to earth, hurt his back, uh, which is, I guess is what you call a concussion now. Um, so I don't know if I hurt my back, does that mean I have a concussion? I don't know, but um, Tua only had 14.4 points last week against his spouse, Katrina. Back to the Science Never Sleeps division, where we will go to the matchup of one-and-ones with the fantasy football team and the archive, and the archive proved too much for the football team 
taking the victory 145 to 128. The Archives MVP could have easily been Mark Andrews, but I believe it needs to be James Robinson. He was the RB7 on the week and has has had 15 or more carries each game this year. Uh, Truly remarkable considering what he went through. He's doing what everyone wanted Cam Akers to do, but on a worse team. Uh, The Achilles injury is just, it's insane that he's doing doing what he's doing now, uh, considering what he went through. Even, I mean, he tore that Achilles late in the season. So the fact that he's was the RB7 this week, it's very impressive. Least valuable player for the archive. Again, I mentioned Tua in the last matchup review, but Tyree Kill is the least valuable player for the archive in week three. Two catches on only four targets and 33 yards. Somehow the Dolphins got the win with the Buffalo with Buffalo shutting down Tyree Kill. Uh, honorable mention, no shock here. Darnell Mooney is still, um, I mean, he's still in the Chicago offense and the Chicago offense continues to do what they're doing. Ain't nothing going to stop Darnell Mooney from being the LVP of the season for Will's team. On to the fantasy football team. After picking up their second loss of the season, their MVP is Joe Burrow, who finally had a solid game with the Bengals last week. Um, Burrow was the QB four on the week with 31 points. He was 23 of 36 with um, with 275 yards, but he did have three touchdowns. Of course, that's going to help anybody rise up the QB ranks. He had two long bombs uh, that pushed him over the 30 point mark. Uh, we get an extra point for plays over 40 yards. So that definitely did not hurt. Least valuable player for the fantasy football team. Stop me if you've heard this before, but Allen Robinson, as Connor put in here, the guy's a bum. How can he be trusted? I don't think he can be trusted. The number two wide receiver on one of the best offenses. The entire offense hasn't looked good for hasn't looked very good this year. But he only got two targets on five two catches on five targets for 23 yards, and that makes him the wide receiver <clears throat> 86. Yuck. Honorable mention did go to Brandon Cooks, who was shut down by Chicago. He only had two catches on seven targets for 22 yards. He was wide receiver 87. Uh, Both are just hanging out with each other, is what Connor said. Connor is displeased with his wide receiver core. How can you blame the guy? He put his faith in Allen Robinson. Gross. Uh, next matchup in the Nompton division will be the one and one Rippers against the one and one Bulldogs. And this proved to be an absolute blowout where the Bulldogs essentially doubled up the Rippers 136 to 77. The Bulldogs moved to two and one behind or on the backs of the MVP, Derek Henry, for week three. And rumor has it, the first snow has fallen in Vermont. And because of that, the King has started or maybe even completed. His transformation into the Yeti, the Yeti. He finally looked like himself with 26.3 points after only 7.2 and 8.5 points in the first two weeks, respectively. The MVP, or excuse me, the LVP had to be David himself. Dalton Schultz was a late scratch on Monday, but he was questionable all week and weekend 
and could have uh, maybe put him in the flex or flexed him out or just played someone else knowing he might not play. Luckily, that goose in his starting lineup didn't really matter because the Little Rippers proved to be um, almost an inanimate object, only scoring 77 points. And that will take us to the Rippers, who did have a lone bright spot in Cortland Sutton as the MVP. He started to pick up his play despite his team and Russ Wilson's inability to seem productive. Sutton had 17.7 points this week, falling 20 points in week two. He's now the wide receiver 19 on the season. Um, if he can continue to get the, the uh, market share that he's getting, despite Russell Wilson looking bad, then he should be fine for the Rippers this season. Now you do have to wonder maybe Russ, you know, works into form. Hopefully he gets a lot better as the season goes on because I think we all want and hope and expect the the Broncos offense to be much better than it has been. Am I right, J-Lop? Broncos country cannot ride. Uh, the least valuable player for the Little Rippers is Miles Sanders. He had a great start to the season, and we know he is Baxter's guy. He simply didn't provide the same level of fantasy points in week three. However, he did have plenty of opportunities with 15 carries and one catch, but that only turned into 46 yards and 5.4 fantasy points. The Rippers will definitely need more production out of Miles Sanders as the season goes on because he does have a bit of a thin team. Uh, he also had David Montgomery, who got hurt in week three, only 1.1 point, 1 .1 points. He had A.J. Green in the starting lineup, who goosed, and Scotty Miller, who despite the very thin wide receiver core of the Tampa Bay Bucks, only had 1.4 points. Uh, looking at his bench, he's got Mike Evans coming back this week. He had Devontae Parker on the bench and Zay Jones on the bench, both of which scored over 20 points. So there is some hope on the bench to provide some relief in the Ripper's starting lineup. Back to the Science Never Sleeps division for the last matchup of the week, which was the 0-2 replacements against the 0-2 in the name of science. Where the replacements, they did it. They got, they made history. They got their first ever regular season victory in week three of 2022, 170 to 137. And the MVP for the replacements, um, the replacements going without a second quarterback got the, the first win of the season. So they did not have a quarterback in their super flex because Trey Lance was their second starting quarterback. You know what happened to him last week. Um, they did have a few MVPs, but the winner is Romeo Dobbs. Eight catches on eight targets, 73 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver 13 on the season. Is he becoming the wide receiver one in Green Bay? That's the question. If he can continue to build that trust and relationship with Aaron Rodgers, uh, the production this season should be good. Antonio also has um, Alan Lazard on his team, so you would think that in between those two, he ha probably has the wide receiver one in Green Bay, considering Christian Watson. Who knows what he's doing? Honorable mention for the MVP is Jalen Hurts, of course, 36.6 points. And the QB2 on the week, he also had Devin Singletary pop off for 24.1 points. RB5 on the week, which is crazy that um, 24 points is RB5. Um, 
most of that, I think he had, let me look, he had lots of catches in the game against Miami. He had nine catches on 11 targets for 78 yards and a touchdown. So all of his production, all but 1.3 points came through the air, which is not uh, typical for his role in the Buffalo offense. The least valuable player is LaVisca Chenault. Now, we know he popped off this week for the uh, for the Panthers and Baker Mayfield. But he had 23.4 points and he was on, well, he was on Antonio's bench. Uh, maybe that'll teach Antonio not to bench LaVisca again, even though I would because I don't know that he can be trusted. The least valuable player in the starting lineup, however, was A.J. Dillon who matched almost his backfield mate in Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had 5.7 points this week. Well, A.J. Dillon had 5.8 points. He was one spot higher on the week for RB53 than Aaron Jones was at RB54. For the name of science, the MVP is Hollywood Brown, 14 catches on 17 targets. Goodness gracious. 140 yards, ended up with 29 points. Um, Maybe him and Kyler are starting to click. I mean, I think they're already clicking. Hopefully that this, uh, hopefully he will find some consistency in a role similar to this. I would not expect him to continue getting 17 targets when DeAndre Hopkins comes back in what does he have two more games three more games um, being suspended so it'll be interesting to see hopefully Hollywood can continue this leading up to the end of that suspension and we'll see what his role turns into when Nuke gets back on the field least valuable player in the name of science had to be Russell Wilson Uh, not sure but Russell Wilson (laughs) not sure how but Russell Wilson has gotten Less points each week that the season has gone on. 20.8 points in week one, 13.1 points in week two, 9.1 points in week three. If we extrapolate that out, what that takes him to just over five points in week four, uh, that would be bad. Uh, Russ, it appears he doesn't know how to cook. Uh, Maybe there's a reason that old chewing gum Pete, what's his face up in Seattle, didn't ever hand the keys over to Russell um when does the russell wilson science experience run out for the in the name of science i don't know that he has many options um especially with dak being hurt but uh we'll see he does have uh cooper rush i think on his team might be worth rolling him out there cooper rush looked better than russell wilson did in week three uh week three uh back to the nompton division the last matchup was me the reigning champion in the warmest regards at one and one taking on the grocery baggers at zero and two. And boy, was this one closer than it should have been. Uh, the regards did end up winning one forty five to one twenty five. Um, there was some doubt in my mind come middle of the afternoon on Sunday when I thought the baggers might somehow pull out a victory in week three, a victory that they do not want, by the way. The MVP for the Warmester Guards is, uh, well, it was 
a little difficult to determine one because most of my players did underperform, but Christian Kirk is the MVP for the second week in a row. He is currently the, the wide receiver six on the year. Not sure if he can continue that. Uh, he is playing out of the slot. He is not coming off the field for the Jackson Needle Jaguars. Signs are pointing in the right direction. He was wide receiver 15 in week three with 19.2 points on six catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. And as much as it pains me to say this, my least valuable player is probably my favorite player on my team, Justin Jefferson. He only had 4.4 points on three catches and 14 yards. No, not 40 yards, 14 yards, one, four, 14 yards. Um, the Vikings and Kirk Cousins take on the, um, the Saints in the London game on early Sunday morning. The question is, does, does Kirk Cousins view this as a primetime game because he's the, they're the only game playing at the time, or does he just view this as another uh, Sunday at 1 o'clock game and go out there and actually throw the ball the way he's supposed to, to Justin Jefferson in particular? We can only hope so. The Grocery Baggers had an MVP. You may have heard his name before, Khalil Herbert, 32 and a half points in Week 3. He had 158 rushing yards two touchdowns, RB1 on the week. Khalil Herbert, not even the starter this week. But David Montgomery did go down, and he took it over. Um, I did not have Khalil Herbert as the RB1 on my bingo card for week three. Anybody else? Least valuable player is Trevor Lawrence. He was the QB3 on the week, but he remains on Eamon's taxi squad. That makes him the least valuable player because he's adding no value to the baggers team. He's like having your he's like having your best uh your fastest grocery bagger uh in the back unpacking the uh the frozen chicken from the truck instead of uh, up front bagging the customers groceries. It's shameful. Well, that is it for the week 3 review for a quick look at the standings in the dynasty league. At the t- we'll go division by division. At the top of the Nompton division is Jamar Rule at two and one, slightly ahead of the warmest regards. And uh, well, we actually have four two and one teams in the Nompton division: Jamar Rule, Warmest Regards, Soldier Fields, and the Nompton Bulldogs. Jamar Rule by default is in the number one spot because of the points for. They currently have about fourteen more points scored than the warmest regards. The fifth and sixth spot of the Nompton division is the Little Rippers at one and two and the Grocery Baggers at 0 and three. Science Never Sleeps division is Dilly Dilly at three and zero, followed by two two and one teams, the Archive and the Dirty South Spartans. Then we have the fantasy football team and the replacements at one and two and in the name of science at 0 and three. If we were to look at the power rankings, it would be Dilly Dilly and Jamar Rule in the one and two seeds of the playoffs, followed by uh, the Warmest Regards, the sorry, <clears throat> the Warmest Regards, and then Soldier Fields, Archive, the Archive in the five spot, and Dirty South Spartans in the sixth spot based on points four. So Jamar, or Dilly Dilly, Jamar, 
warmest regards, Soldier Fields, The Archive, Nompton Bulldog, Archive, and then Dirty South Spartan. So three teams from each division right now in the playoff projections. That will take us to the, um, let's do the trade that happened last week first. Kind of an interesting trade. Let me get to it here. It was, um, so Katie received CEH in a 2023 second, and Jake Walla Walla, the Jamar Rule, received Michael Gallup and Chris Olave. So CEH in a 23 second for Gallup and Chris Olave. I actually slightly favored the CEH side in this. However, the Twitter poll was the exact opposite, had 68 votes with 75% of the votes being on the side of Gallup and Chris Olave. Connor left a comment in here, not sure that uh, this price is enough for CEH, who is currently the RB4 on the season, though Chris Olave could possibly, or he Jake could have possibly gotten Chris Olave before his breakout, because Olave certainly did. Um, produced this week with 25.7 points in week three following up a 12 point performance in week two we'll continue we'll see if that upward trend continues against the vikings in london early sunday morning for the free agency ads in the dynasty division as you can imagine pretty deep rosters not a whole lot going on in free agency but Mac Hollins was sitting out there. We did have five bids on him and Mexican win, which is Antonio and the replacements won Mac Hollins for $51 outbidding myself for 43, the archive at 30 Nompton Bulldogs at 12 and Dilly Dilly at seven next highest was Craig Reynolds, who is if Deandre Swift is out, he's the RB two for the lions Walla Walla got him for 45 outbidding Dilly Dilly and the regards by quite a lot. He got him for 45. The other two bids were for seven and $6. Dilly Dilly got Traquan Smith for 13. Connor picked up Justice Hill for three. And I picked up Teddy Bridgewater for free. It did pain me to drop Donald Parham. He's been on my lineup since day one. Just cannot produce. <clears throat> so that will take us to the week four. Weekly breakdown. Where, as I mentioned, we only have one undefeated team remaining, but the premier matchup um, is likely. <clears throat> the warmest regards against the Nompton Bulldogs, both teams coming in at two and one Nompton Bulldogs barely sitting outside the playoff picture uh, based on their points. This is the headline in week three, the Bulldogs had no problem chewing up the rippers while the regards had a battle with, had to battle with the baggers had a battle with the baggers that was closer than the experts thought. This week, the neighbors face off against each other. Me and David live in the same neighborhood. Will the Bulldogs be caged or will they bid adieu to the warmest regards? The next most prolific matchup 
is in the Science Never Sleeps division, where the Dirty South Spartans and the Archive face off, both two and one, both currently in the playoff picture. This is the headline. The Archive and the Spartans face off with hopes of getting their third win and staying close to or tied with Dilly at the top of the division. Can the Dirty South Spartans knock off the dirt of their week three loss, or will the Archive store up another victory? Back to the Nompton division, where we have the one and two Lil Rippers facing off against the two and one Soldier Fields. The Fields won the battle for household supremacy last week, but have to turn around for a matchup that smells like an upset. Can the Rippers rise to the occasion, or will they fall to the turf as Soldier Fields pick up their third win? Again, proofreading these would be helpful, but not nearly as entertaining. Back to the Science Never Sleeps division with the replacements at 1-2, and two, taking on Dilly Dilly at 3-0. and oh. The replacements got their first ever regular season win in week three, while Dilly keeps their undefeated season rolling. Can the replacements take a big step toward replacing Dilly at the top of the division, or will Dilly Dilly raise a toast to their division and continue to stand on top? The last matchup in the Nompton division is Jamar Rule at 2-1, and one, sitting atop the division. Against the 0-3 Grocery Baggers, and the headline is, Jamar definitely doesn't rule the Wallace house. But can he put the loss on a in a bag and get back to winning against the Grocery Baggers in Week 4? Or will the Baggers break the rules and get their first win of the season? And the last matchup is between the lowly fantasy football team and in the name of science, the FFT at 1-2, and two, in the name of science at 0-3. These two teams sit at the bottom of the division, but seem to have pretty good teams when looking at their rosters. Can Week 4 be the start of something new for one of these teams, or will it be a slap fest that unfortunately has to have a winner? We'll find out. Can Science Never Sleeps get the first victory of the season? in week four that is it for the dynasty league and that means we will move on to the uh, d1 redraft league with the week three weekly review and we have the matchups last week at the top the first matchup was the battle of undefeateds with kiss my burrow at 2 and 0 and mixing it up also 2 and 0 and kiss my burrow moves to 3 and 0 as the uh the well you will find out the only 3 and 0 team in the league 159 to 154 I Kareem for TDs at one and one took on Broncos country let's ride this is Sean V Connor and guess who won Sean won 142 to 138. This one was close. It did come down to Barkley and the Monday night game. He just could not get it done. Next was CD's Nuts at 1-1, one one, taking on What's On, Wax Off 
at one and one and CD's nuts took this one pretty handily despite a little bit of a lower score 134 to 94 moving to two and one for the nuts and one and two for wax off Christian Mingle at one and one took on team Rice Swain who continues to not name his team at one and one and the unnamed team did go for the win 135 to 130 Reek and Destroy was 2-0 coming into the matchup against It Ain't Easy Being Cheesy, who was 0-2. And Reek and Destroy took the loss. It Ain't Easy Being Cheesy was the lowest scoring team in the league coming into week three. They popped off for 164 points. They were the highest scoring team in the league. And they got their first win of the season, handing Reek and Destroy their first loss. And then at the bottom was the battle of defeated teams the rona riders at 0-2 taking on it's allen the hips at 0-2 and it's allen the hips and antonio took the win 155 to 137 looking at some free agency ads in the nd1 at the top of the list was melvin gordon who katie dropped last week um he was picked up by Dilly Dilly for 27 did ding what is it called 57 dollar dues uh Dylan did outbid myself who bid 19 Connor 7 Antonio 5 David 2 next Mac Hollins went to Amon for $12 who outbid Connor at 7 and David at 3 David picked up Richie James for $11 who also Dylan bid $11 for the same player but David had the waiver priority because Dylan got Melvin Gordon. Antonio picked up Samaje Pirine for nine. Connor picked up Devontae Parker for seven. I picked up Craig Reynolds for two. David, Will Disley for one. And Mexican Antonio, Brian Hoyer for a dollar redue. Looking at the D1 standings at the top of the standings is Kiss My Burrow, the only undefeated team at 3-0, despite being the fifth highest scoring team in the league. Reek and Destroy is two, mixing it up is three, and uh, Reek and Destroy and mixing it up at two and three are less than one point separated in the points four column, both at two and one. Uh, the next three teams also at two and one, so we have five teams at two and one i cream for tds cds nuts team rice swain all at two and one however the sixth seed would go to christian mingle who was one and two um team rice swain the coward that is who can't name his team would not be in the playoffs because they have 108 418 points for while christian mingle has 466 <laughs> That takes us to the week four. Weekly breakdown. For the D1 redraft league, the top matchup in the league this week is Kiss My Burrow. At 3-0 against Reek and Destroy, who's 2-1. So this is the 1-2 team in the league facing off. Kiss My Burrow is now the only undefeated team in the league, despite being fifth in the league scoring. Reek and Destroy 
ate some bad cheese last week and collected their first loss. Will the Burrows continue to carry the league or will Reek destroy their undefeated season? Very nice. The second matchup is the 2-1 CD's Nuts against the 2-1 Mixing It Up. And again, this is the third and fifth teams in the league. So two really good matchups at the top here. Mixing it up, lost to the Burrows last week by less than five points while CD's Nuts picked up their second win in a row. Both teams have some injuries to navigate in week four. Will the Nuts nut up and find a way to win or will mixing it up or will mixing it up and break off a long run towards the third victory of the season. That was a tough one to read. Not sure if that came through uh, the way I intended it to when I wrote it. Third matchup of the week is I cream for TDs two and one against it ain't easy being cheesy at one and two. Headline is it ain't easy being cheesy found week three to be easy as they snagged their first win of the season as the highest scoring team in week in, on the week while I careened for TDs defeated his lowly younger brother. Can the cheese continue their high scoring ways or will the stench of moldy cheese return handing the TDs a ticket to the top of the league? Next up is a matchup between Broncos country. Let's eh, kind of ride at one and two versus at it's Allen the hips at one and two the reigning champs finally got their first win last week while Broncos country let's ride rode into the loss column can it's Allen the hips stay loose and get back to 500 or will Broncos country get back up on their winning horse Hmm? not too bad Next is the 0-3 Rona Riders against Team Rye Swain 2-1. Team Rye Swain is 2-1, but barely missing the playoffs based on points. And the pandemic is finally over as Rona remains winless. Will Team Rye Swain prove to be a real team and actually name his team this week and move to 3-1, or will Rona infect him, bringing them their second loss? Nothing beats a good Rona joke, I suppose. Last match of the league is a battle of the one and twos. It's Watson wax off and Christian mingle. Christian mingle only has one win, but holds on to the final playoff spot based on points. While Watson waxed off their winning ways, Watson waxed off their winning ways, picking up their second loss in week three. Will Christian mingle show their supremacy with another win in week four or will they sacrifice the sixth seed to a team that desires to pleasure themselves and move up the standings get it the sean watson um masturbation joke risky risque that's it for d1 it's getting heated Five two and one teams, as I mentioned, one undefeated team. We'll see if Katie and Kiss My Burrow can remain undefeated going into week five next week. That takes us to the D2 redraft league. Well, we will just look, touch it oh so carefully, not go too deep. They don't deserve that much attention, anyways. 
Um, some of the top scores in week three was Ric Flair and the Truffle Shufflers, Katrina and Big D's Energy, and Zay Dak Attack, who continued to sit atop of the league. Both Ric Flair and Zay led the league in points, and they had an additional, both of them had an additional about 60 points sitting on their benches. So, I mean, those those are some strong teams, especially so far to start the season. The lowest scores, Tour Brothers, including Tour 23 and a half, and Groot all scored under 114 points. They are all bums. Uh, none of them are on my Tour Brother rankings anymore. Actually, I think the Tour Brother rankings now are Ric Flair, Katrina, and Zay all atop my tour brother rankings bad beat of the week uh was walla walla who beat his wife whoa uh poor terminology i guess there uh he beat his wife in fantasy football by only 1.04 points katrina's qbs had four fumbles and lost one of them jake won a big bonus with uh robinson getting a plus one on a 40 plus yard run and Chris Olave and Tony Pollard also had bonuses bonus one points for 40 plus yard plays. Um, the married couple, however, is two of the top five teams. Both would be in the playoffs at the season ended today. Three of the four undefeated teams stay undefeated and three of the four winless teams picked up their first wins in week three. So the league is coming together. Um, I didn't mention in D1 who was at the bottom. I kind of mentioned, I guess, at the bottom of the standings. The bottom three through three weeks is Watson Wax Off, which is Dylan. It Ain't Easy Being Cheesy, which is Tanner, and Rona Riders, which is David. All three of them need to pick it up. Were they getting demoted? Uh, back to the standings in D2. At the top of the league is the Truffle Shufflers and Ric Flair. Zay and the Dak Attack at number two. Big Diggs Energy, who is second in the league in scoring, is third based on record. Tour 24 is four. Walla Walla is five. And the sixth spot, who goes to the highest points not already in the playoffs, is going to be uh, Clinton's Suicide Squad, which is Jam Prout. Five. Some quick notes about the week four matchups. We do have the one and two teams playing in the league this uh, playing in week four. So that is Ric Flair and Zay, Dak Attack, and Truffle Shufflers against Dak Attack. Currently, the Shufflers are projected to win by about 15 points. Um, but Zay does have Keenan Allen and Dalton Schultz who are currently out. So we'll see what he will find to fill those spots. <clears throat> or maybe they'll play this week. I don't know. Uh, and then we also have the four and the five teams in the standings playing this week. That is Tour 24, who is the GM of Name Your Team and Get the MF Gat, which is Jake. They play each other. Uh, projected very close right now at less than two points separating the two in projections as of Wednesday night. That's it for D2, and that leaves us with the one and only Pirate League, who in week three 
had the treasure of one point per rush attempt that did lead to some inflated um, scoring for running backs, obviously. And to go through the week three matchups real quick, I was the highest scoring team in the league. My team's name is the Jolly Aaron Roger. The Jolly Roger is the name of Captain Hook's boat in um, Peter Pan, if you didn't know. So the Jolly Aaron Roger took down Fantasy Island, which is Jake, 222-119. Jake did a good job of protecting players. We'll talk about that in a second. So I did steal 10 fab from him. Uh, Pirate Booty and Baxter took down Connor, who is I'm the captain now, 205 to 168. And Baxter, let's see. Baxter, who did he steal? Uh, Baxter took... Jameis Winston and sent the injured Mac Jones to Connor. So that does give Connor two injured quarterbacks with Dak, Dak uh, Prescott and Mac Jones. Um, Queen Anne's revenge, which is our friend F ballers bum beat Chalavi two inches, one cup tain, 173 to 132. Chalavi continues to absolutely be pitiful in this league. They're now Owen. He is now Owen six sitting at the bottom of the league. I don't even think that um, F Ballers Bum took anything from Chalavi. I think he just took some fab. Yeah, he took $6 fab. That's pitiful. Pitiful. We did have Kiro TX, uh, Ship Ahoy, get their first wins of the season, beating uh, Tentacle Ticklers and Katie 215 to 154. Hero went on to see who he stole. Hero went on to this tough one to take I guess not that bad. Uh, Josh Jacobs from Katie sending back Chase Edmonds. I saw Chase Edmonds' picture and thought it was J- um, Jalen Waddle, but it was not. Uh, we did have Katrina and Shiver Me Timbers beat Dylan, the babyface assassins, 166 to 155. Katrina won the matchup, but did not have enough points to win the matchup against the league median. And. see if Katrina took anybody from Dilly Dilly. She did. She took Kareem Hunt and sent back the injured David Montgomery. And the last matchup in the league was Mexican Win, who needs to name his team. <clears throat> Barely beating Davy Jones Pirate Peach, 177 to 174. Um, J-Lop and Davy Jones Pirate Peach did pick up a win against the league median despite losing the matchup. And the swap from this matchup, this matchup was over early, so they did their swap on Sunday. This was a tough one. Mexican Antonio took Nick Chubb and sent back Devin Singletary, which this week didn't look too bad, but 
the names by themselves definitely don't sound very good. So the standings in the Pirate League <clears throat> are as follows. Queen Anne's Revenge is at 6-0 at the top of the league, 582 points scored, followed by J-Lop and Davy Jones Pirate Peach at 5-1 five with 593 points scored. Team Mexican Win is at 5-1, Shiver Me Timbers 4-2, Pirate Booty and Baxter at 4-2, Baby-Faced Assassins is 6 at 3-3 three three with 511 points scored. Uh, I am there. The Jolly Aaron Roger is also at 3-3 three three at number 7 with 495 points scored. And then the bottom four, five teams are Ship Ahoy, which is Kiro, Fantasy Island Jake, Tentacle Ticklers Katie, I'm the captain now, Connor, and two inches, one cup tain, Shalavi, way down there at the bottom, the only... Defeated team at 0-6. Next week, the point treasure... Actually, before we go to next week, I want to come back to my matchup with Jake. Um, <clears throat> I was ahead pretty pretty well by the afternoon games on Sunday. Um, Jake did have Javante Williams in the lineup in his running back spot. So our league has one quarterback, one running back, one receiver, one tight end, and four flex. I believe five flex one of them is a super flex <clears throat> and so jake got caught in a tough spot because he wanted to, to protect javante williams he was not on the production spreadsheet so i could have stolen javante but he didn't want that so he placed javante on his bench well there's a new rule this week this year that we requires each team to have a legitimate starting lineup for the full weekend last year we had um, some individuals with no integrity putting players on the bench midway through Sunday to protect them from being stolen. And so they would just have an empty, an empty starting spot. We may, we put a rule in place this year to where that can't happen. Uh, it makes it to where you can't protect players as easy as easily as uh, an example here. So Jake wanted to protect, protect Javante, put him on the bench. <clears throat> he got called out for it. And so instead of just putting Javante in the running back slot, which I get, he didn't want him to be stolen. That's fair. He dropped one of his bench players, which luckily he had George Kittle. Yeah, George Kittle on the bench who played in the Sunday night game with Javante. So he dropped George Kittle to pick up Jordan Mason, who is the second string or third string running back for San Francisco to put into his RB spot. Now, this is fair game. He did set a legitimate lineup. Jordan Mason was fine. He's a running back. Um, but he did pay the price of having to drop George Kittle, who did get picked up today at a very hefty cost, where Dylan outbid, uh, excuse me, J-Lop outbid myself, $45 for George Kittle off of waivers. Now, here's where the true um, mess up was for Jake. Uh, this, I'll call it a costly lapse in judgment. Had Jake done a simple, what I call a simple rule for fantasy managers is you put your latest playing player in your flex spots. That way, if there's a late injury that you don't know about, if an injury pops up, or it's even more important in this league, if you put Javante in your flex, you can easily you know, make that swap. If you want to protect Javante, you could have easily put George Kittle in there instead of Javante 
which means you wouldn't have had to drop Kittle. Now, maybe he would have gotten stolen. I don't think I would have stolen him because I had Dallas Goddard. Um, so that would have projected Javante had Kittle in your starting lineup, which means you continue to have Kittle and Javante on your lineup the following week. So pretty costly mistake by Jake there, not putting Javante in the flex. <laughs> Note to all you others out there, put your latest playing players in your flex spots for more flexibility, hence the flex. Anyways, week four, point treasure is one point per passing first down. So again, uh, points towards the quarterbacks here. Uh, we'll see lots of quarterbacks in the super flex spots. For me, I'm probably playing Jacoby Brissett in my super flex spot because in week two, I had Aaron Rodgers stolen and Joe Flacco sent back to me. Obviously, uh, you've probably heard Joe Flacco not playing this week. It is going back to Zach Wilson. I do have Zach Wilson on my bench, but don't feel comfortable starting him. <clears throat> Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good last week, so I'll roll with him. For the matchups this week in the Pirate League, see if we have any good ones. We have the number one against number four, so that's Queen Anne's Revenge against Shiver Me Timbers. We also have the five against the three, which is Pirate Booty and Antonio. And then we have Babyface Assassin, who is six against number two, which is J-Lop and the Davy Jones Pirate Peach. That is it. That is a pretty fast episode. Uh, please go leave a rating and review, five stars review, and then you can tell me how bad it was listening to only me for like an hour. I mean, who knows? Maybe you liked it. Maybe I'm better solo than trying to drag Connor along through this thing. Uh, I will, however, leave you with a dad joke. Probably just one. And this is a low-key one. I mean, I'm not going to get any audience feedback here. Connor's not here to laugh. So here you go. What is made of leather and sounds like a sneeze? A shoe. That's it for me, everybody. This was your week three recap and week four breakdown. Peace.